0: SAFM Sports Wrap.
1: Uh, a little bit early today, perhaps, but uh, going up to seven o'clock, we're going to be bringing you sports news on SFM. This is SFM Sports Wrap, the Monday edition. What a weekend of sport it turned out to be for South Africa. What a great weekend overall. Bafata Bafana keeping their 2018 FIFA World Cup hopes alive. They outclassed uh, Burkina Faso 3-1 at Soccer City. The Springboks played very solidly against the world's best team, but heartbreakingly lost by one point, 24-25, but a vast improvement on the uh, 57-0 uh, clearly. And then the Proteus just dominating Bangladesh and humbling the Tigers and in innings and 254 runs in Bloom. Uh, I feel it's safe to say overall, it was a, a pretty good weekend for South Africa. But I am disappointed at something though. And I, I do feel I, I have to mention this. So while I can see that the weather may have played a little bit of a role, the crowd attendance at F&B Stadium to watch the national team in a World Cup qualifier is really poor. And then I watched the makufa Cup the next day. Uh, Kaiser Chiefs, Bloemfontein Celtic, in a friendly and it's absolutely jam-packed. So I was a little disappointed in terms of crowd attendance. Uh, and then uh, the weekend ended at a really tragic note. News emerging that Maritzburg United's 20-year-old uh, midfielder uh, Monli Lamini passed away following a car accident yesterday afternoon. And certainly uh, condolences to friends and family and teammates, indeed, many of whom we've spoken to on uh, this very show uh, at Maritzburg United. But uh, there's so much to talk about, and uh, I do have a very exciting guest in studio who we'll get to in just a moment, but I I do need to run through a few things in terms of uh, sports news as well. Uh, I'll start off with some football news for you, and delighted to say that Barocca goalkeeper Oscar Masaluke will be going up against uh, Dana Castellanos and Olivier Giroud for the Puskas Award. Uh, Masluke's last gasp equaliser with a bicycle kick against Orlando Pirates last season, saw so him into the uh, final three-player shortlist for the prize, uh, which will be handed out in London on the 23rd of October. second phase of voting has started, with a total from each round of voting to be added together to uh, decide the winner. Uh, meanwhile, Safa have suspended referee Cedric Mubari and uh, his assistant referee Patrick Jafter following their poor handling of Cape Town City's 1-0 APSA premiership win over Pulagwani City last month. The match saw the home side denied a clear goal-scoring chance after a blatantly incorrect offside call before they were later gifted a dubious penalty in uh, added time. Both officials have been banned for their match, uh, their match fee and monthly stipend as well has been forfeited until the end of the year. Further afield, the uh, 2018 FIFA World Cup qualifiers continue in Europe tonight, All Matches kicking off at uh, quarter to nine Central African Time. Macedonia host Liechtenstein. Wales play Republic of Ireland. Serbia face Georgia. Austria visit Moldova. Israel hosts Spain. Ukraine play Croatia. Iceland host Kosovo. Finland face Turkey. And Italy visit Albania. Uh, Then we've got uh, Groups A and B returning to action. The FIFA Under-17 World Cup in India today in Group A. USA beat Ghana 1-0, while the hosts lost 2-1 to Colombia. Mali beat Turkey 3-0, and Paraguay beat uh, New Zealand 4-2 in Group B. Then uh, first 15 nominees of 30 for the 2017 Ballon d'Or have been confirmed. Brazilian superstar Neymar leading the list. That includes... Luka Modric, Paula Djebala, Marcelo N'Golo Kante, Luis Suarez, Sergio Ramos, Jan Oblak, Philippe Coutinho, Dries Mertens, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Robert Lewandowski, David De Gea, Harry Kane and Edin Dzeko. Uh, rugby news briefly. The Springboks have slipped to fifth in the latest uh, official World Rugby rankings following their narrow defeat to the All Blacks on Saturday. Australia 37-20 win over Argentina saw them climb above Ireland and South Africa into third in the rankings, uh, which are still led by New Zealand with England second. Uh, meanwhile, weather proved problematic on the final day of Sunfoil Series matches. No play possible between the uh, Cape Cobras and Knights in Oatswyrn and Dolphins and Lions in Pietermaritzburg as both matches ended in draws, but only three wickets remaining. The Warriors, though, were saved by bad light and rain towards the end of the day against the titans in benoni uh, further afield pakistan require another 214 runs with uh, five rickets remaining was uh, the last i saw they find themselves up against uh, sri lanka in dubai uh, but uh, they are they are chasing a, a decent target of uh, well over 300, 317 they need for uh, victory to Pakistan in the final session. This is day four. Just finally, netball briefly, I can tell you that Tux and NWU meet in the Varsity Cup netball final at the University of Pretoria. That's a quarter to seven tonight. NWU are playing their third consecutive final. But should Tux win, Jenny van Dijk will become the first coach to win the Brutal Fruit netball Premier League, the National Championship and Varsity netball title in the same year. That's your sports news. SAFM Sports Rap so, SFM Sports Wrap, always exciting in uh, terms of guests and who we uh, get to welcome to the show every so often. And some people, it's fair to say, are uh, a little busier than others. Uh, and one man who has a rather frantic schedule ahead of him is the Supersports United captain because in the next month, he's got a host of app Premiership matches. He has got the MTN8 final, the first two rounds of the Telcom knockout, the CAF Confederation Cup semi-final, which is away in Tunisia, then successive World Cup qualifiers against Senegal in Bulawayo and Dakar. So we're delighted that he's managed to find time in his schedule to join us, and uh, we welcome you to the studio, Dean Furman. Thanks for joining us. Good evening. It's great to be here. Uh it's 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 great to be here and talking about Bafana Bafana's victory on on Saturday. I mean, you were suspended for the tie. Just describe how frustrating it was, or what, what emotions were going <laughs> through you as as you were watching this match.
0: Yes, I always find it hard to watch. Um, I've, I always felt sorry for my parents when they had to sit in the stands not only cuz we were in the UK and they were freezing but always to watch is always more nerve-wracking than actually playing the game so to watch it's it's not always ideal but obviously the goal so early from from Percy gets gets us off to a great start and and the first half was going 3-0 up is 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 nerve-settling for sure so it was a great performance it keeps the dream alive so to speak and um the belief is is we've always believed and that belief is, is getting stronger and stronger and we go into the Senegal duo with two games to go and two wins needed and uh, certainly from within the camp we believe we can do it and that's that's the way we've got to look at those two games. Yeah I suppose so additionally pleasing
1: then after the uh, Senegal win over Cape Verde that's for South Africa now your chances of going to Russia 2018 are in your own hands says Bafana Bafana. Yeah, There's nothing worse
0: than coming off a pitch and looking at <laughs> the results and going, on, working out the maths and thinking where you stand and now we know, simple as anything, two wins were there. And uh, Can we do it? Of course we can. Of course we have the talent, we have the ability, we've beaten Senegal before. It's going to be tough, there's no doubt, doubt about that. They've got top players, they're, they're a very good side, especially um, with some of their so-called superstars who are playing in the top leagues in the world, but We've got some great players and I, I always say this, I, I believe that in this country we hype up the opposition almost too much and we forget what we've got in our own ranks and some of the talent that we've got in our own ranks should really be recognised and hopefully we can we can begin to show that on the pitch and once again against Senegal in, in the first game, get the job done and uh, we go into a huge... Almost playoff game,
1: really. Be a phenomenal. Uh, it, it will be. It will be if if if, uh, if South Africa can beat uh, Senegal away in Dakar after after a victory in Bulawayo. I think that would be uh, just phenomenal for for all South Africans because qualifying for the World Cup is something we haven't done since 2002. I mean, while we played in 2010, we qualified as hosts. We didn't have to go through a qualification process. Uh, but I just want to remind you, uh, if you are uh, listening and you'd like to actually interact with uh, Dean Firmin, live in studio. So you can SMS us uh, 40938 if you have any comments or questions that you'd like us to uh, pose to Dean, who's going to be with us, to uh, the top of the hour. Um, but talking more a little bit about Bafana Bafana, you, you spoke about uh, the the talent that we have in here. And, and, sometimes, and I think it's something that Itumilen Kune spoke about as well. He mentioned a while ago, he actually said, sometimes we don't realize how good we are, uh, or sometimes we we forget about it. And We were talking about uh, self-confidence. We were talking about freezing in the moment. We were talking about sometimes the the mental aspect of things. Um, But this is something that I see Stuart Baxter has decided to address by bringing in a a sports psychologist, which every winning team, I need to say, this is not a sign of weakness – Every top team in the world and most of the top athletes in the world, from Michael Jordan right the way through to the, the best who've ever played in golf, Tiger Woods, had a, a sports psychologist. He's brought that in, and it seemed to be a combination of factors, including the sports psychologist angle, really got the team gelling this weekend. How do you feel about about working with somebody focusing on the mental side? Well, I wasn't there in camp this week, but I have spoken to a few of the players, and and
0: he's well. I spoke to Bradley Corbula, and he told me that they had a session with the psychologist, and the lads really bought into it. And for me, what what people don't tend to realise is the psychological um, effect that that the ups and downs, the confidence, the lack of confidence, um, all these things going on in your head. And if you can get your head in a good space, if you can be positive, and you can be forward thinking, and you can be, you can kind of it makes a big difference. it really does it, it helps your body language, it helps the way the team the team um, communicates and cooperates together and, and I really think that if if the head 's in a good space, then often it leads to a good performance and I think bringing in a sports psychologist, uh, I, I can't say because I don't know actually what he did, but I'm sure it can only be a positive thing. And yeah. if results continue like they did on
1: Saturday, then, then certainly we hope we have more of it. Now, I, I mean, th- this is something that perhaps is, is, is similarly related because I know one of the, one of the reasons that Etumilin uh, said that uh, the sports psychologist was so effective for him was the fact that, you know, you're always going to get people that are going to criticize things that you do and you're always going to get people that love whatever you do. You get people who love you and people who hate you. That's, that's a fact everybody does in in, no matter what sphere you're in uh when you're in the public eye it's exaggerated there are more people that love you and there are more people that that hate you and and that emotion seems to be a a lot deeper um but he's somebody who said he'll come off a brilliant training session be feeling really hyped about his game switch on his phone and have a couple of messages saying that he's fat or stop eating pies or something after and what that does to him is it just completely demoralizes him, flattens him. Uh, And I know somebody who you played with in England, Doncaster Rovers, uh, Bongani Kumalo, uh, on the show not too long ago said, I just stopped looking at all the messages. I got off all social media and that was how he coped with it. But how do you deal with the criticism and and also the the hype that that comes with being part of a professional footballer's life?
0: I think, first of all, with social media, I mean, the game's changed from social media. I think back in the day there wasn't so much interaction with fans and i think it's amazing that we can have interaction with with fans i think it's 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 a great way of getting players and, and fans closer together um it's a great way to interact but obviously there are going to be uh, so-called keyboard warriors who, who sit there and, and they want to give you abuse and and that's that's the game everyone's entitled to, to their opinion like it or not and and as as players, ultimately, it's our decision to be on social media and we can very easily come off. So if you don't really handle it well, then obviously I suggest kind of come off. But we enjoy it. It's great. It's a great way of interacting. And you are going to get some, some good comments and, of course, yeah. you're going to get some abuse. But I think for me, one of the things that I do, first of all, um, I'm surrounded by, I've, I've got great people around me, my parents, my brother, my sister, my fiancé um and other people that i'm very close to obviously the players i play alongside my coaches they're import- their important their opinion is what's important to me not so much the fans um who are trying to slate me or trying to bring me down um first and foremost those are the people that i go to in times of in times of trouble and, and they're the ones who pick me up um but for me personally I don't like to get too highs with the highs and I don't like to get too yeah. lows with the lows and I always remember being being a kid and and I was in a car school in, in in England I was 18 and just starting to play first team and if I lost it was the end of the world. It was like I, I did I really struggled and I was traveling with um a couple of guys who were in their 30s and they used to say to me listen you need to just not take it too not take it to heart and it's not your fault it's not the end of the world. There's there's kind of always another game and I think from that I learned not to get too high as if we won a game, don't get too excited, don't go out and throw the biggest party and if we lost, it just wasn't the end of the world and that's I'm, I'm, I'm realising it more and more and I hope I can impart that knowledge onto some younger players coming through that if you win a game and play well, you aren't suddenly the best player in the world and if you lose a game and you've made a mistake, you haven't just turned to a bad player overnight. So it's that kind of middle ground that I try and stay on and try and stay humble and just kind of stick to what I know I'm good at and and I know that that's what's got me to where I am today and if I continue in that then that will keep me hopefully being selected for, for Bafana Bafana and,
1: and continue being successful at Supersport This is FM South Africa's news and information leader it's 20 to 7 we're chatting to uh, Dean Furman a man who wears the captain's armband at Supersport United a man who's worn the captain's armband at the uh, national team as well but uh, Dean let's just go back uh, a few years uh, and I say a few meaning plenty and um, you're somebody you could have actually become a professional tennis player. I mean, you were you were that good, uh, and and football was obviously something you were passionate about. It's clear that you're passionate about it, but you were, you were clearly a, somebody who was gifted at a number of sports. When did you have to make that decision to pick either football or tennis, for example? And 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 just tell us about your time, for example, as well with with Chelsea Juniors. I mean, that that must have been exciting times because I think Brendan Rogers was your youth coach, wasn't he? Yeah, people might not believe the tennis
0: story because, as you know, I'm not not the biggest. They might find it hard to believe that I can see over the net. But (laughs) I I did play a lot of tennis. Um, I represented my county, which is how it works in the UK. You represent your county. And I was uh, taken on board to a futures program, which was the top 30 boys in the country and kind of your your lessons were paid for your travel was paid for you used to go we it was great we used to leave school for three or four days and go on these tennis camps at a place called bishop abbey which is a high performance center in the uk and i absolutely love my tennis it's it's amazing um, and as soon as there's a break in the season or off season the first thing i do is get out my tennis racket and, and start playing again so i've still got the love um it, ca- it came to about 12 or 13 where i had to really make a decision i was at chelsea in the academy we were training on Tuesday nights, on Thursday nights, training on Saturday morning, playing on Sunday. And then my tennis, I was playing, I was having lessons on Monday, on Wednesday, on Friday, and it was it was becoming too much. And what started to happen in my tennis was that I would start to lose to players that I really shouldn't have been losing to. Boys were catching me up. And I found that hard to take. And, and the difference between tennis and sport is uh, tennis, you're out there by yourself there's absolutely no hiding place there's no one to help you you haven't got teammates around you there's no off the court it's great you you chill out with the other players but you are by yourself uh, essentially and and whereas football you're with your team you're with your teammates and on the pitch you're with your teammates off the pitch you've you form this um connection between each other and and it's for me that that was much better i was enjoying that far more at the time i was doing really well at chelsea and i really had to make a decision and and sadly tennis had to fall by the wayside and it's now become one of my favorite hobbies but it's not taken so seriously which is which allows me to not lose my temper and break my tennis racket so uh, i do love my tennis and try you still go back to wimbledon every year don't you if i'm back in the uk at the right time try and get to wimbledon or queens um, I grew up with a with a I think he's probably number four in the UK now called uh, James Ward. So I go and try to see him. Mm. Uh, I tried to see Kevin Anderson at Queens, but we got rained off. So I was a bit disappointed. I saw him warm up, which was which was <laughs> just as, as good as it got that day. But yeah, I absolutely love my tennis and uh, it will be something that hopefully once my career is over, hopefully, I can still move around a
1: tennis court and, and play competitively. Don't worry, we won't talk about the end of your career just yet. We might ask you a question a little later on that. But uh, g- going back to the, the youth uh, aspect of it, I mean, you, you're somebody who came through proper youth academies. You, you, you have a refined background. Uh, what, what was that or how key was that, that time at Chelsea in developing who you are as a, as a footballer now? And, and how much did somebody like Brendan Rodgers contribute to to the way you play? Yeah, well, uh, Brendan Rodgers was an unbelievable coach. I say
0: was, he still is. I mean, he's doing incredible things with Celtic. Um, Isn't that your enemy? You were at Rangers, man. It should be my enemy. (laughs) Uh, And it is, I suppose it is, but... You know, I, I can appreciate when a team's gone on an unbeaten yeah, run for a season, yeah. and obviously, with Brendan Rodgers being there and some of the other backroom staff that work with us at Chelsea, it's nice. You see a bit of familiarity, yeah, and, and Scott Sinclair's one of their top players, and I've, I grew up with him in the youth team, so it's obviously nice to see people you know doing well. Uh, Brendan Brendan came into Chelsea, and it, he was absolutely incredible. He was he was he came from Reading. He was almost in the mold of Mourinho. Um, we Training sessions were unbelievable. They were sharp. They were his his way to develop us, not only as, as players, but as people. And I think that was that was the biggest thing at the time because we were young and we th- we thought we were all the next superstar where mm. really we, we hadn't done anything. And there's a quote from Brendan at, at the moment that is talking about the young Celtic players. And he said, I tell the, the Celtic players, don't say you play for Celtic. Say you train for Celtic. When you make it into the first team, that's when you play for Celtic, and it was that Brendan made us—he he made us better people, not only better players. He made us—he mm. made us understand kind of life and growing up. And he was like a father figure to us because at the time, a lot of us had moved away from home. I was living near the training ground five nights a week, so I wasn't with my parents. And Brendan became a, a father figure for us. And some of the knowledge that he imparted onto us is uh, I still take on th- take on board this day. And he really was a. a a key figure in my development.
1: Now, I mentioned Rangers there, uh, and this is this is strange because, uh, as, as I noticed, uh, I must admit, just mention, if you were wondering why my producer's face lit up, Siobhan Chetty is an enormous Liverpool fan. So, so when you mention Brendan, Brendan Rodgers and talk about there was uh, there was of course some familiarity in in that sense but uh from a rangers perspective it was the the strangest thing because we spoke on the phone um, a couple of days ago and uh I I was talking to you about your match against club africain and I said do you know which game it reminded me of I said it reminded me of the famous 3-0 win for rangers over over uh Lyon in the champions league in 2007 and you said to me I just watched the
0: highlights <laughs> that's, that morning because uh, Charlie Adam retweeted it on Twitter and I was watching it and
1: it brought back some incredible memories of my time there. It was the strangest thing, it was this yeah. serendipitous moment that that, uh, that happened over the phone because the, the way you played and you were so dominant, I thought, Super Sports United against Club and just couldn't find the, those goals and it was something that reminded me of that match, but you were at the club at the time, I think, and, and this, is, this is it, I mean, you, you were with Alan Hutton, you were with Roy Carroll, you were with Daniel Cousin was still playing, who was phenomenal one day and then would be absent for two weeks, it would seem, um, on the pitch. Uh, Demarcus Beasley, of course, and Charlie Adam. Uh, But that game, uh, who was it? I mean, it was uh, Grosso was playing, Hatem Ben Arfa was there, uh, Karim Benzema was playing for Lyon at the time. Um Milan Baroš was another one of the uh, big name players at the time. Just a phenomenal game. But you were in the club environment at the time. How how do you do matches like that? I mean, do they make an impression on on you still? Yeah, those those
0: are the kind of games that you meet up with your mates 20 years later and those are the ones you talk about. You're like, "Wow, we we got battered in that game. How did we win that?" And, and yeah. those are the kind of games that you you really stick out. Um being at that club was was special. Um, I was still a youngster I was only 19 I believe 18 19 and but I was around the first team a lot and it, whereas Chelsea I was more with the youth team and and we could we could watch the first team and we could interact with them but we weren't necessarily training with them often there was there were the, there was the odd occasion but we were more with our own age and the reserve team whereas go to Rangers now you're training with the first team so you're kind of part of the squad and being being alongside the likes of Barry Ferguson, who was a, was the captain, who was who was the the legend there, who was who's a top top player, and being able to train and, and in close quarters, and as you say, Daniel Cousin and Alan Hutton, these guys have gone on to have huge careers, and Alan McGregor in goal, and, and the the list is endless. McCullough, uh, Lee McCullough, who was who was a top top player, and to see how. Uh, these guys dealt with pressure because Rangers and Celtic we're talking about a different kind of pressure we're talking about you have to win every week and anything else isn't good enough and 52,000 Ibrox every week expecting demanding victories demanding Mm. top performances demanding goals and to see how these players dealt with their pressure it was a real eye opener to me and uh, it was it was a great learning curve for me once again I made my debut there, which was an incredible moment. I still remember my first touch of the ball, and and the fans cheered me after that. And I just wanted more. That was the moment where I thought, "Wow, this is this is really it. This is what I want in my life." And it's it's an incredible club, and it's great to see
1: them back in the SPL. And I'm sure success is only round the corner for them. Yeah, I, when they, when it was announced that they were being uh, liquidated or, or put into, into administration, I thought, oh no, this is this is the end of a, a genuinely giant club. But but you talk about playing a sort of the the, the mindset. Uh, it's, it's effectively a cup final every week for for those players. You virtually have a cup final every week at the moment. I mean, the way over the next month, I ran through the list of fixtures that are immediately ahead of you. Uh, I mean, you've got the MTN Eight Final coming up. Uh, this weekend, uh, MTN8 final is, is a huge one. 8 million ran for the the winning club, 800,000 for the losing club in the final. But you're up against Cape Town City, a side you lost to in the in the um, uh, Telcom knockout to last season. But you are a side that made history by successfully defending the Ned Van Cup title. I mean, these are two really strong cup teams at the moment and two sides that are playing particularly well who are both coached by Legendary men in their own rights. I mean, there's just so much to talk about with this MTN8 final. But how do you feel about this, this weekend's final match, ultimate match in the MTN8? Yeah, one of the first things that, that Eric said to us
0: when he came in, he challenged us really. He said, look, within two or three months of the season, we could have had an unbelievable start. It's all there for you. Go and, Go and grab it. He said, we've got the MTN8, we can get off to a decent start in the league. We haven't really played many league games, but we've got off to an uh, okay start. It's not bad, yeah. Then there's the CAF, which uh, the, the CAF Confederations Cup, it, it it's over such a long period of time that that you you are holding on to something that you've been working for. I think it's 10-odd months that we've been in this tournament now. The amount of traveling we've done, we had no off-season or very little off-season. So the amount we've we've put into this tournament, it's really really special to be in the semi final. But we don't want to end there. That's that's the thing. It's not like we've played this tournament over the last two months, and we've just all of a sudden got to the final. This is proper. We've we've worked incredibly hard to get to where we are. Not just us players, the staff, the the, the backroom staff who've come with us wherever we've gone, the office staff who who've who've also joined us wherever we've gone. It's been a real team effort from us. So to get to this stage of the competition, it's great. And there's maybe a pat on the back, but that's not good enough for us. We want to go all the way. We won that Silver Star. And this is something that people will talk about forever in the history of supersport. And in, in the future of supersport, they will always talk about this if we go on to win it. And, and that is the real motivation for us. Um, back to the MTN8. We don't forget that Telcom final um, last season. It, it still hurts because... We we got off to a bad start, we went one 0 down, we pushed and pushed and pushed, we get the equalizer. And then within a minute we we concede again and one of the key things that that Stuart used to talk about was was critical phases. And it was all about yeah. staying focused during those times and, and what a key critical phase is after you score, after you concede and, and that's a key time when the teams generally concede or make mistakes or because you switch off. You're so elated from scoring or you're so um, you're so down from conceding that you lose focus, and I suppose that's exactly what happened to us, and then we couldn't come back from that. So that's certainly one that that hurts, and we'll be going to that final looking
1: to put that right this time. Well, at least you have Eric Tinkler on your side in, in this occasion. He turned out the winning coach uh, last time around, but I mean, this is a guy who's. I must say, I think we've praised Eric Tinkler so much because he has he took uh, Pirates to the the champ- the Confed Cup final in, in 2015. Uh, when nobody really expected him to do so, he he took Telcom uh, Knockout title in, in Cape Town City within four months of of existence. He's come to SuperSport United. You're in the MTN Eight final, potential of going to that uh, CAF Confederation Cup final. Um, but then you you've got yourself a, a situation where you where you're playing across so many because no sooner have you finished the MTN Eight you start the Telcom Knockout and you've got two rounds before you even have the World Cup qualifiers against Senegal again. Is is it difficult to play league? Cup and international fixtures uh, combined with something like the CAF Confederation Cup tie which I don't know where where it would actually fit into Uh, how tough is it to actually try to manage because they're all very different and manage the travel in between It's tough, Uh, this week's been a bit
0: of a strange week because we haven't had a midweek game or we didn't have any game because of international so it's actually been quite strange to be able to just switch off and and really just take a step back and try and recharge the batteries a little bit but once you get into that mode where you you basically you play a game, you recover, you build up for the next game, you play, and it's just a, rep- a repetitive cycle. And as players, we really love that. We we don't want to train. case <laughs> okay, some of us enjoy <laughs> training, some don't. But we're here to play games. We're here to win games. We're here to score goals. We're here to we're here to win trophies. And the games are coming thick and fast. I believe probably for the rest of the season, we've got a game every three days and it's going to be tough there's no doubt about that so we're going to have to we're going to have to bank on using all of our squad everyone's got to be ready when called upon it's going to be tough I can't deny that but we want to fight for everything that's that's Eric's mentality and you, you've seen it at his at his yeah. former clubs that's his mentality that's what it's, he's trying to put onto the he's like as a player as well that's what he was like as a player yeah. and, and he's putting that into us and we won't be happy with going out in the early stages of the telecom. We want to go all the way. We want to put losing in the final right and win the telecom. So we are up for every tournament, whether our legs can take us there or not. That's still to be seen, but we're, we're very successful in cup competitions. We know we've got top goalkeepers. If, if it goes all the way, as we saw last season in a couple of penalty shootouts, and we know we've got players up front who are lethal. Brocky, uh, Bradley, Tuso, Tubham and Yamane, Kingston and Carter. So we know that we're a very, very effective cup side and uh, we're hoping we can show that on Saturday. Travel and ice baths. That's, that's your future for the, uh, for the
1: next eight months or so. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. The ice baths are never a favourite, but <laughs> oh, they, no, they are good. They are terrible, but they, but they are very effective, let's put it that way. Uh, a couple of questions coming in, but Timber wants to know about, uh, He wanted to know about the score between Cape Verde and Senegal, it was 2-0 uh, to Senegal, uh, but wanted to talk about the, the chances of qualification by playing Senegal home in a way. And I think this is the big thing, is many people are saying, Senegal are arguably the best team on the continent. To many, they are. Um, but while I mean, Sean Bartlett reminded of, of, of us this last week was the fact that sometimes South Africa go into a game against Mauritania or Gambia matches that they should walk mm-hmm. and don't come out with a result, but go up against some of the best teams. I mean, Spain is then world champions, and you come out with a uh, come out with a win. Um, what are the chances realistically for for the players? I mean, how are you going to be approaching it? i'm sure we'll be approaching it with with
0: optimism um for instance the last Af-co- or two two afcon qualifiers ago we we were in a group with nigeria no one really gave us a chance we had a great game at home in cape town against them we went away to nigeria and without getting a red card we won. were going on to victory so yeah. they were the top side on the continent and, and we knocked them out of the qualification group so it's if we're talking about senegal as one of the top top nations we respect them we understand that they're a good side and, and we'll give them that sort of respect but at the same time that's where i think we hype up the opposition too much we also have we need to look inside what we have we have top players we have players who can fight we have players who've got skill we've got players with pace and that's what we really need to look into not worrying too much what's coming from there the the manes of this world and all that all their their top top players which they are and, and and we give them respect for that but we also have top players and it's time for, for us to really stand up count for and, and go and go toe-to-toe with these players and as you say we've done it in the past and and it's proven successful
1: well yeah when you beat a nigerian uyo i mean when when uh, kelechi ianacho went on that run of eight uh, he went in and run and scored of uh, scored in eight matches of nine the only match that he didn't score in was the was the match against south africa i mean it didn't matter whether it was Alexi iwobi or ianacho or victor moses or, or who it was south africa outplayed nigeria brilliantly in in uyo if you can do that again one of the two african sides who have qualified for the world cup already um i think that would be fantastic and of course we still have the 2019 africa cup of nations as well what a what a fantastic uh, uh, Philip it would be if we could qualify not only for 2018 but then again get back into the the nations cup in, in 2019 but time is time is running out and I, I, I this is the problem is i i look up at the clock and i see i've got like basically a minute left with you here i, I want to ask you very very briefly a couple of quick quick questions Who's the, the midfielder you most admire? In South Africa? No, no. In world football?
0: In the world football, Frank Lampard for me. I know he's retired, but he's my hero. He's always been my hero. Um, just growing up and being able to watch him close quarters and how hard he worked. No one see, no one saw that. No one saw him staying behind after training and doing extra runs. And, and I spotted that and thought, wow, this is one of the best players in the, at the time, one of the best midfielders in the world working hard to get better then why can't why can't i and why can't we and back home
1: who's the best guy to have in the change room
0: back in super sport united who's Tus- the best guy Tusso so parlor to absolutely love Tusso. um he is uh he, he brings us so much joy uh obviously fantastic players one of my favorite players in south africa uh but in the dressing room he sits next to me at, at the training
1: ground and uh yeah he always brings a smile to my face Fantastic. Well, listen, Dean Furman, it's been an absolute joy having you here. I can't believe how the time has flown because it's been half an hour, but it feels like it's only been a couple of minutes. It's been wonderful to have you in studio, and certainly we wish you everything the best in the MTN8 final, in the Telcom knockout as you started, certainly in the semi-final in the uh, CAF Confit Cup away in Tunisia, and of course for both World Cup qualifiers against Senegal. Thanks for making time for us. time. Fantastic. That's Dean Furman, SuperSport United captain, Bafana Bafana individual. That's all we got time for. Now, Lady Mouleau is up after the news of the talk shop. Don't go anywhere from Siobhan Chetty and me, Dwayne Locker. Have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's seven o'clock.